This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Live from the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Books saved me, reading saved me, and I used reading as a weapon. That was my way of saying, you know what? You can beat me, you can beat us, but I can read and you can't. And I'm going places that you'll never imagine. After his rousing keynote speech at the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival, the CEO of Happiness, Chris Gardner, sits down with me to talk making the impossible possible, how reading saved his life, and the incredible lessons that he has learned going from a homeless single parent to a multi-million dollar entrepreneur and best-selling author who's on a mission to change the lives of young people across the world. We talk giving back the permission to dream and so much more next here on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Live from the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. It's Pulse. It's Pulse. Pulse 95. I met my father for the first time when I was 28 years old. When I had children, my children were going to know who their father was. Yeah. Chris Gardner was doing his best. We don't need two. We don't need one. Maybe next quarter. It's possible. But his best... Hey! Wait! ...wasn't enough. Man, I got two questions for you. What do you do and how do you do it? I'm a stockbroker. Stockbroker. Oh. Hey, I'm gonna let you hang on to my car for the weekend, but I need it back for Monday. Feed the meter. (laughs) I need the rent. I can't wait anymore. I need you out of here in the morning. You gotta trust me, all right? I trust you. Because I'm getting a better job. Let me see if I can find you an application for our internship. Did mom leave because of me? Mom left because of mom, and you didn't have anything to do with that. There's no salary. No. I was not aware of that. My circumstances have changed some. Dad, where are we going? I don't know. Last year, we had an intern score a 90% on the written exam. He wasn't chosen. It's not a simple pass-fail. You're not quitting on us yet, are you? Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. Jay says you're pretty determined. Where are you going? Go to that hospital. I'm in a competitive internship at Dean Witter. He said you're smart. This is impossible. I can do it. No, you can't. No one can. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. When Chris Gardner and his young son were sleeping rough on the floor of a public toilet, he could never have dreamt that his life story would be turned into a hit Hollywood movie. That, of course, was the iconic film The Pursuit of Happiness, starring Will Smith as he plays Gardner, the man who refuses to give up on his dreams. 
The film was inspired by Gardner's first book of the same title, a New York Times and Washington Post number one bestseller that has been translated into over 40 languages. And thanks to Sharjah's very own Kelimad group, the book has been translated into Arabic for the first time. Having grown up not knowing his own father, Chris credits his mother with showing him the possibilities beyond their own humble circumstances. Although he yearned for a father figure, Chris was beaten and abused by his stepfather, which gave him the determination to be the dad to his own son that he never got. It was back in the early 1980s that Gardner, aged 27, and his toddler son were homeless for a year in San Francisco. Enrolled on a low-paid trainee scheme at a stock brokerage, he didn't have enough money to raise the deposit to rent an apartment. So he and Chris Jr. would instead sleep wherever they could. In addition to the toilet at a railway station, they'd bed down in parks, at a church shelter, or under his desk at work after everyone else had gone home. They ate in soup kitchens, and what little money he had was spent on putting his son in daycare so he could go to work. Despite this adversity, Gardner thrived at his job, a natural at selling stocks and shares. At the end of his training period at his firm, Dean Witter Reynolds made him a full employee. Finally able to rent a home for himself and his son, his career then rapidly ascended into the stratosphere. And in 1987, he opened his own investment firm, Gardner Rich. But after his incredible business success, he is only just getting started. He's now on a mission to inspire the next generation through the Back to High School Permission to Dream Tour to find the next Chris Gardner's or Oprah Winfrey's. Chris tells me more about his new dream of his as he stops by the Pulse 95 studios after his session and book signing at the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. But first, I start out by asking him about how he got through the times that would have otherwise destroyed others in the same situation. Right here at the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival, we have been seeing some of the most incredible entrepreneurs and speakers and none other than the CEO of happiness himself, Chris Gardner, is with us. And of course, when Chris and his young son were sleeping rough on the floor of a public toilet, he could never have dreamed that his life story would be turned into a Hollywood movie. But then the entrepreneur and best-selling author of The Pursuit of Happiness is here now with us, changing lives all over the mm. world through his incredible story of overcoming the odds. And I am so excited to have him in the studio with us here at Pulse 95. I'm Chris excited Gardner. to be here with you today. Ooh, ooh, that Pulse voice. Pulse 95. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Allah, as we like to say. Well, hello to you, too. Yes, of course, Chris, your story has become legend, mm. the stuff of legend. We know that you went through so much. People have seen the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, but actually your struggle started, you know, long before the events that we actually mm. see in the movie, you know, and this is one of the things that you spoke about today. Your mother went missing several times and you didn't even know where she was. No, there's something that's called the cycle of silence and it impacts all families all around the world. 
and no one ever talked about why or where. Uh, there are all the other cycles that people talk about. Alcoholism, illiteracy, fear, poverty, but no one talks about the cycle of silence. And that's why I'm just honored, I mean, first of all, to have a, had a chance to not just do the film, but to do the book, to talk about all the things that you just mentioned. And I cannot sit here and not mention, I am tremendously excited about the fact that my first book has been published by Kalimat Group. My agent is an absolute rock star. Do you know my agent? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, my God. I need she to get to know your agent. Star. Yes. <laughs> we are so excited about that, too. Yes. Oh, man. We just released it. And I'm going to sign every copy in the UAE. <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, yeah you, you start talking about that, that cycle of silence mm. um, that you mentioned there. Your mother went missing. Quite my mother a, went to prison. She went Say to prison. Say the word. Yeah. She went to prison yeah. twice. But you didn't know at the time. No one told us anything. Yeah. Myself, my my oldest sister, Ophelia, yeah. uh, foster homes, relatives, distant relatives, and we were loved wherever we were. We were loved, but no one told us where our mother was or when we would ever see her again. And one of the earliest memories that I talk about in the book was one day as a little boy, this beautiful woman came and she was making this candy from syrup in a skillet. She would heat the syrup up and let it cool, and it would turn into this, this candy that you could chew. And she looked at me, and my mother and I developed this thing very early on. There were no words that needed to be spoken between us. She looked at me, and the look was, you know who I am, don't you? And my response in my heart was, yeah, I know you. You're my mother. Yeah. And we had that communication with no words our entire lives. As a matter of fact, my mother moved to heaven, what, 25 years ago? And we still talked every day. We still talk every single day. What was the, the, the most important thing that your mother taught you? I believe one of the most important things was that you can do or be anything. That was permission to dream. You can do or be anything. It's also very important to say what she did not say. She did not say that you could have anything. She did not say that you could buy anything. She did not say that you're guaranteed that you're owed or entitled to anything. She said you could do or be anything. And for me, that was even bigger. Because if you could do or be anything, all this other stuff will come. That was permission to dream. And I gotta tell you, that little piece right there found its way into the film that made the film special. That's to you, that's what made the film special. To the whole world. Yes. That scene on the basketball court, as you originally saw it, as you ultimately saw it, it was not originally written that way. In the original screenplay, the screenwriter has a dark view of the world. And when the little boy says, I'm going pro, the father says, forget it. That'll never happen. I was no good at it. So that means that you can't do it. But I waited until we were going to film that scene that day. And I went up to Will Smith and I said, you can't tell that to that little boy because that's not what my mother told me. Exactly. I was told you could do or be anything. And as you ultimately saw it on the screen, that scene, honestly, 
I've had parents from all over the world say to me, I tell my little boy, I tell my little girl every day, don't ever let somebody else tell you what you can't do. Even me. Even me. I love that so much. Even me. That and is, if you want something, go get it. That is an Period. iconic line from the movie. And it's now. universal. It's universal. What else did you tell Will Smith when he played you in that movie? <laughs> Man, let me tell you something. <laughs> Some of the things that I told him, but more importantly, some of the things that he told me will never be heard, not even on your show. No, <laughs> go on. I won't tell anyone. No, 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 no. I will say this about Will. <clears throat> I love Will. He, what you see is what you get. He is a kind, warm, loving, decent guy. But he has got a sick, twisted, perverted sense of humor. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he would say some things and you would look at him sometimes and like, did he just say that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they'll never be repeated. But to to, to play you, mm. to go through all of those experiences, sleeping rough in the a public bathroom, you know, that, that experience, you know, how did he tap it? How was he able to tap you into that? You know, the that? first thing that we did... Coming up next, Chris reveals what Will Smith did to tap into the desperation in Gardner's story, and we find out how books saved Gardner himself. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Live from the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. It's Pulse. It's Pulse. Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats and my conversation with Chris Gardner, the CEO of Happiness. Here he tells me how Will Smith was able to tap into the most difficult moments of the film that was made about Chris's life. And he tells me how books saved him. The first thing that we did after we met, we spent some time, a couple of things. Number one, before we started filming one night in San Francisco, we went for a walk. 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And he told the security team, no, it's just me and Chris. We got this. And now the security team is freaked out. I mean, they've never just let him just go. You can't do that when you're the biggest movie star in the world. You can't do that. But just he and I, we walked and I showed him. Okay, you see that park bench over there? Yeah, okay. You see this area right here by those trees? Yeah. You see this train station right here? Yeah. And then I took him into the subway train station that my son and I had to sleep in too many nights. And when I go into that station, I only need to be there for one moment and I'm out. He said, no, leave me here. He stayed for 10 minutes. And I know for a fact it was 10 minutes because as you can see, I'm wearing two watches. I know what time it is. He stayed for 10 minutes and when he came out, he had tears in his eyes and he said to me, it was like the ghost in the walls came into my body and I could just see myself and my son. And the major difference between reality and the film, in the film, Jaden Smith plays my son as a five-year-old. In reality, at this part of our journey, my son was 14 months old. Wow, that's even more incredible. He's still in diapers. That changes everything. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Hmm. I mean, you know, I, I want to go back to, to another time in your life because you, your stepfather was abusive. Hmm. He used to beat your mother. Hmm. He used to beat you. Hmm. 
but this I found so powerful, and especially as we celebrate Sharjah as the world book capital, books saved you. Books you saved me. Reading saved me. And I used reading as a weapon. I will never forget sitting there, sometimes in the most tense situations, me, my mom, my stepfather, and after whatever he had done, I would sit there and sit there and read. And I would, once in a while, I would ask my mom, Mom, what does this word mean? And I would spell it out. And she would look at me and she would, without words, say, Son, you know what that word means. That was my way of saying, you know what? You can beat me, you can beat us, but I can read and you can't. And I'm going places that you'll never imagine. So words and books became a tool that I could use, right? And not just use against him, but to strengthen myself. And my love of books, let me tell you this, to be here in Sharjah, the world book capital, 2019, knowing that my book is now available in Arabic for the very first time. And not only that, I just heard from my editors in New York City, they could give me whatever I want for my third book. <laughs> I love it. I love Man. it. Man, so we're it. killing it. Okay? You are killing it. We are crushing it. You but it's all about amazing. literature. It's all about sharing. Yes. And it's all about, it's something my dear friend and mentor, Dr. Maya Angela, once said to me. It's not about how many books you sell. You have to focus on the fact that people have connected with your work and you're helping to change people's lives. When you do that, all these other things will come. I need to ask you, though, mm. you know, uh, we do see your struggles uh, and they're well documented. What kept you going? You kept going mm. in the face of so many different struggles, one after the other, one after the other. How did you get out, out of that? Because other people would have been defeated. Another conversation with Dr. Angelo, best captures the answer she said to me once that we must all be mindful that there are people who came before us who came up a steeper side of this mountain carrying a bigger and heavier load with little to no opportunity but they still kept going forward onward and upward it was the inspiration for her poem and still I rise I'll never forget the words of dr. Martin Luther King jr who once speaking on progress said, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but you got to keep going forward. To which I will add that baby steps count too. As long as you're going forward. And you know what my favorite rapper in the whole world, if he was here right now, you know what Biggie Smalls would say? Biggie would say, through the fire, through the pain, baby steps in the rain, while all about you being the same, be the player, not the game. Ooh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to drop the mic. Oh, my God. But I have to ask you, you know, you just talked about some revolutionary mm. leaders and, and mm. one man that you got to meet because after you made it, you went to South Africa and you met none other than Nelson Mandela. What did he say to you? You know what? I have to say this to you. 
the very, very first time that I met Mr. Mandela, he found out that this was my very first trip to Africa. He stuck out his hand and he said to me, welcome home, son. Now, for a guy who never knew his father, the first time you hear the words, welcome home, son, and they're coming from Nelson Mandela, that was the beginning of my life changing, okay? And I have to share this one other thing with you that recently happened regarding the book. I have been added to a list of banned authors by prisons in America. Some of the other authors on this list of banned authors include Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Maya Angelou, and Nelson Mandela. What? Okay, banned. Why? Because how, how dare you give prisoners the audacity of hope? How dare you give prisoners the permission to dream? Business, America, prison is a business. It's not just a way to rehabilitate people. This is a business. And they don't want prisoners thinking that you can change your life, okay? So I take it as an honor, think about that. If you're gonna get banned, Mandela, Angelo, Dr. King. You're in very good company, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you must be doing something right. Exactly. Okay? You must be doing something right for sure. <laughs> Coming up, Chris talks giving the next generation permission to dream. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Live from the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. It's Pulse. It's Pulse. Pulse 95. I'm in conversation with the transformational entrepreneur and best-selling author of The Pursuit of Happiness, Chris Gardner. Here, he tells me more about the last job that he is now taking on as the CEO of Happiness and why he's focused on permission to dream. Some people are just so drained. Mm. They are so drained mm. by the struggles that they forget how to dream. Mm. What do you say to those people? Well, that is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Right. For instance, one of the things that I'm doing is speaking at nothing but high schools and junior high schools all across America. And we've recently found out that we've raised a potential sponsor that's going to allow us to do it all around the world. This whole idea of what can be done, okay? There's enough places and enough people telling you what you can't do as a young person. I get to talk about what can be done. Uh, for instance, Oprah Winfrey and I are the same age, same zodiac sign, and went to the same elementary school, okay? How do we know the next Chris Gardner, or more importantly, the next Oprah Winfrey, is not coming and going out of public school doors all across the world right now? The truth of the matter is they are. My job is to let them know that they can. And this is why you are now focused on your final job that you say of your life. I am the CEO of Happiness, and I love my job. <laughs> I love it, but, you know, talk to us a bit more about, you know, the practicalities of that. You know, mm. how are you inspiring young people? How are you giving them the opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have had or the wouldn't have seen? The first and most important thing that I can do, and I do it every opportunity I get, I'm always talking to young people about the fact that, well, now, I get to check a lot of boxes. I didn't choose 
But I get to check a lot of boxes. Abandoned child, foster care, mom in prison, never do his father, uh, domestic violence survivor, sexual assault survivor, never went to college, veteran, single parent, homeless, entrepreneur, and black. And I said black last because I got this free. Yeah. <laughs> this is the original packaging, okay? And when you can check all those boxes, you get some credibility. And when I talk with young people, not to them, but with them, I'm never pointing my finger saying, you need to do this. I take my finger, I point it at myself, and I say, when I was where you are, this is what I did. These were my fears. These were my concerns. And I had to own it. One of the things in the film, the scene in the bathroom, I talk about this in the book. It didn't necessarily come out as much in the film. Mm -hmm. But I had to look in that mirror in that bathroom every day and wash my little boy up. And I had to ask myself some very hard questions. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? What's going to happen next? But the hardest question I had to ask and answer every day was, how did I get here? In my situation, the answer was brutal. The answer was, I drove here. I had something to do with the situations and circumstances that had become my life. I drove here, but that gave me power. Because the second I said it, I knew, whoa, well, if I drove here, then I could drive out of here. You can't change something until you own it. However you got here, you got to own this before you can change it. You have to own it. That's you it. You got to own it. You got to own it. You, I, I need to uh, ask you about, um, you know, those things that are the way to success for mm. people. We are here at the Entrepreneurship Festival. Your advice for those who are out to make their dreams happen, mm. be a success in life. What would you say? The first thing is, you can't just be in it for money. You can't just say, I want to make money. Everybody wants to make money, okay? That doesn't separate you from anybody else in the world. What's going to separate you is when you're doing that one thing that you are truly passionate about. The one thing that the sun cannot come up soon enough in the moment because you want to go and do it. That one thing and nobody is going to have to dig it but you. That's part of owning it. A lot of people are not going to see your dream. They're not going to see your vision. They're not going to see you accomplishing the things that you believe that you want to do. My mom used to call it seeing ghosts. And she would ask me, son, you seeing ghosts again? What that meant was you're seeing yourself doing things that nobody can see but you. Her point was, as long as you're seeing those things with the eyes in your soul, nobody's got to see them with you. You have to be the one to see and believe. You. It's all on you. That's why we spell happiness with a Y. And it's so funny how people <laughs> will walk up to me on the street and say, well, you know, you, you spell happiness wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you say, no, no, no. And I have to explain to them. That Y is there to make us all mindful that it is you and your responsibility, you and your opportunity to create the life that you want for you and your family. Coming up next, Chris reveals more about his brand new book and he talks the one thing that he wishes the world would embrace. 
This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Live from the Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival. It's Pulse. It's Pulse. Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats and a special interview with the CEO of Happiness, Chris Gardner, as he reveals what his next book is about. And here I ask him about the one thing that the UAE has that he wishes more people would embrace in their lives. One of the biggest things is honestly, and to be here honestly right now in Sharjah, and this year of tolerance, man, if we could export that year of tolerance to America, man, I would feel so good. I would feel so truly blessed. In what way? In what way? Tell me more uh, America has become a place of very, very, our fears have trampled our tolerance. Okay. Wow. We're seeing it from here, but it's it's we, we need oh, to hear it from you. Oh, let me tell you something. See, now I've spent my entire life in America, and as an American, we've known some things. We've told you some things for years. But now you get to see. And it's like, whoa, man. But back to something we were talking about earlier, there's hope. And you know where the hope comes? It comes from the young people that I'm talking to in colleges and high schools all across America. Let me say this to you. The players on the field right now that you see may not be very impressive, but in America, the bench is deep and we're coming. And young people all around the world, they're coming. And they're going to change this world. I need to, and related to that, I need to ask you, how does it feel to have your book finally in Arabic as well? Oh, man. We're so excited for that. You know, let me tell you something. Think about that for a second. Translate it into Arabic. If I got that right, that means potentially another billion people around the world can read and share your word. That is huge. But that goes back to, again, my agent is a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> and a big thank you to Kalimad Foundation for making oh, that happen as well. You've got the pursuit of happiness. Mm. You've also got start start where you are, where you are mm. as well. And you have another book coming out. Permission to Dream. Permission to Dream. The Blueprint. The yes, Blueprint. Ma'am. Oh, yeah. Tell yeah. us more. December 2020. December 2020. December 2020. We're pretty much ready to go now. However, this would not make sense from a marketing standpoint to try and release any kind of thought that has anything to do with anything positive going into the election. (laughs) 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 I feel like you need it now more than ever, right? right? Well, let them get all of that sorted. Out of the way. Okay. Before you can talk about permission to dream. And um, I'm going to say this, the last thing I would like to share with you, first of all, in all sincerity, I have fallen in love with Georgia. Oh man, (laughs) I did the coolest things. I don't do these things. For instance, I'm on the road 200 days a year. That means I get in, I see the airport, the hotel, the convention center, and then I do it in reverse. But my agent, the rock star, she says, no, let's do this. Take a few days, spread it out, and see Sharjah. And to have gone, for instance, to the, the uh, Islamic Museum of Heritage, 
to take the time to go to the Isle of Loire. Did you know I'm in love with butterflies? I did not oh, know that. Oh, man. I planted my year, my garden for five years trying to get it right. I finally this year got it right, and every morning in the summer, I get this. All day and just for me. So that's why it was important for me to go to the Isle of Noah. Uh, I went out into the desert, all right? Wow. But the coolest thing that I did that was not on the radar. Man, I went to the fish market. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't understand. It. You want to go where? <laughs> so you know, oh, man. So this is where Loved you were it. at. What were you going to the fish market for? You have fish. Just, Do you love look, your fish? Look, fish were very, very important to us because as a child, the one thing that we did as a family that there was no violence or fear involved we went fishing. Wow. Okay. And my mom would always catch the first fish. She did this thing that she called barefooting. Okay. The fish are not biting. She takes her shoes off and she puts her toes in the edge of the water. And the next thing you know, bam. Barefooting. That is so cool. So fishing for me is like, yeah, man, that's, that's. It's a peaceful thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now I'm just going to, I feel like going fishing just for that <laughs> and feeling <laughs> the peace. And um, Chris, final question mm. to you. You've achieved so much. Mm. What is left for you? What is your dream now? I want to help create the next Chris Gardner's. And what does it mean? Simple. If a young person comes up to me and says, I want to become a billionaire, I've got to say, I've never done that. I can't help you with that. If a young woman comes up to me and says, I want to become the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, I got to say, I've never done that. I can't help you with that. But when a young person comes up to me and says, I want to do something that I love, I'm committed to becoming world-class at it, and I want to work for myself, to that person I can say, I've done that. I can help you with that. And I must add, when I say I want to help create the next Chris Gardeners, some of them are going to be girls. I hope so. Oh, I, I know so. so. They're coming. So through schools, through academies, through how? Through, again, giving them permission to dream. The two most important people in my life are my granddaughter and my goddaughter. One says she wants to be an astronaut and go to the moon. The other says she wants to become president of the United States. And you know what I say to them both every day? Let's go. Let's go. Oh, my God. Let's I'm so go. excited. Well, we got some work to do. There's some steps. <laughs> There's a blueprint. And that's a big part of this whole new book, Permission to Dream. There's a blueprint. And oh, it can be done. That's it. That's it. We're waiting for the next book now. Chris Gardner, what an incredible oh, honor. Thank you. And it pleasure. It's been an absolute honor to be here with you and Sharjah at Post 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.